Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I am really excited for today's conversation. It's more of a conversation than an interview. If you've listened to the podcast, you know Darian. She is an incredible beauty journalist. She's been on before. If you want to get her whole story, I definitely recommend listening to her solo episode. She is just one of those deep thinkers, someone that is always thinking about beauty at the intersection of culture and politics. And I feel like we're in a really interesting space with beauty right now. I've been thinking a lot about what it means to have beauty beyond the male gaze. Doja Cat, if you missed it, showed up to Paris Fashion Week. She went to the Scaparelli show. She was covered in red crystals, a look that took five hours by the legendary Pat McGrath. Also, just what a pleasure to watch Pat McGrath create her art. Like, I just think about how we are alive in this time where, like, the greatest makeup artist of all time is just putting together these really incredible looks that push the boundaries of makeup as just a tool to look like your most gorgeous, glowy self and really pushing makeup into an art form. All of that aside, people criticized the look because they were like, Doja Cat doesn't have eyelashes on. Where are the lashes? So she said, you want lashes? I'll give you lashes. And then she showed up to the Victor and Rolf Couture show the following day with lashes for eyebrows and like a little mini lash mustache and goatee. Hilarious. Definitely Google the images if you haven't seen them. But what she was basically trying to say is, I am not going to fit this very narrow definition of what you all deem to be beautiful or appealing or a great makeup look. Now, the background behind this episode, I love Reddit, the skincare Reddits, the natural hair community Reddits. I think Reddit is a really interesting social community because it's essentially message boards, anonymous message boards. So you don't really see what anyone looks like. People really share people ask questions. And I don't know how old people are on Reddit. I don't know where they live, but I'm just there for like the content, the pure content they're sharing. There is a Reddit group called How to Be Hot that I stumbled upon. And I just started reading it. And it was really interesting. I think a lot of the people on this Reddit are younger, but it was all about tips and tricks and insights and pointers about how to maximize your looks. I had never heard of the term looks maxing, but it's basically this idea that You have your physical appearance, but there are things that you can do to maximize your looks. And it's sort of this community idea that hot girls don't gatekeep, that there are ways and tips and tricks that we can share amongst each other as a community. I'm sure not everyone in the group identifies as a woman or a girl, but this idea that we can all collectively help each other. And then I started thinking even more deeply about what does it mean for women and femmes to spend so much time and energy and resource thinking about their appearance? What does it mean to spend six hours getting your hair done or to spend three hours a month getting your nails done or to spend a certain amount of money buying skincare and fragrance when arguably that time and money could be spent elsewhere? Which then, of course, dovetails into these forces that rule everything that we do, the patriarchy, white supremacy. And this was something that I was like, okay, I need to have a conversation with someone about this. And Darian was just the perfect person to have that conversation with. And I think I mentioned it on my episode with Danielle Prescott, the author of Token Black Girl, where sometimes I personally feel guilty for the amount of time I spend thinking about, okay, what's my next hairstyle going to be? Or just being preoccupied with my physical appearance. I wouldn't say that I'm obsessed or I spend a lot of time in the mirror. I certainly love doing my skincare and feel no guilt about investing the time and energy, keeping my skin healthy and looking great. And then I think the epiphany or where I came to is that I actually love makeup and fashion and style as a tool of self-expression. And it's not something I do because I feel like I have to do it to fit into some sort of standard, but I actually enjoy doing it. There's a famous quote, I believe it's from the Vogue editor, Diana Vreeland, the late Diana Vreeland, where she says like, style is a reason to get out of bed in the morning. It's something that drives my creative energy and it's something that I enjoy doing, but it was really fun to be able to talk to Darian about all of these different implications and what they mean. And also what does it mean to opt out of all of this? So you are going to hear all of that and more in today's conversation. I hope that you really enjoy it. If you are not a member of the Naked Beauty Planet community on Instagram or Naked Beauty Planet. You can always come there, hang out. We really are always having a great time and great conversations on the Naked Beauty Planet Instagram account. And I'm at Brooke DeVard. If you want to DM me or reach out to me or to share your thoughts on this episode, I hope that it's thought provoking and interesting. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. 
You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I am joined by the amazing Darian Harvin author founder of Studio Simone, beauty journalist, thinker, really my favorite person to have deep beauty discussion with. Hi, bro. You know, I always love having deep beauty discussion with you. (laughs) It's always a pleasure. You look at this work so often. You're always on top of what's happening in beauty news and beauty culture. You've spent a lot of time in LA, you know, I'm new here. And since I've been here, I've been thinking so much about the emphasis on appearance how much time women, myself included, invest in trying to look our best. And I've also just been thinking a lot about, I guess, this like hot girl gatekeeping, this whole discourse around what's gatekeeping versus putting someone on. And there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. And so I sent you some Reddit groups. I sent you some questions. I sent you some thoughts so that we can get into this discussion today. But before we get into it, In your experience coming from the East Coast to the West Coast to be here in LA, did you find there was a big difference in beauty culture? Yeah, I did. It was more in an exploratory way. I moved to LA at the end of 2017 in November. And so just like anyone else, I was hitting up my friends. I wanted to know who their nail artist was, where they get their hair done, where they get their braids done, where do they like to get a massage. I also had things that I had not tried, but wanted to try around acupuncture and Reiki and just things that I knew that I would really be able to do in LA, but I really wanted to find the right people around that. And when you do that, when you start to explore beauty, you know, you go get your nails done, you see someone on Instagram who you like and is based in LA, the trip and the pursuit of that means that you're going to learn actually a lot about the landscape of LA. And in doing that, you're going to recognize how sprawling beauty is, just like how sprawling this the city is in and of itself. Yes. You go to different areas and there are different pockets and specialties around different beauty caretaking. And also there are just so many different ways that people are making a living and like doing their work. Some people are in a salon. Some people have their own mini space and they're private. Some people are out of, you know, in the guest house in the, behind their home, but you know, they have an amazing clientele. And if you know, you know. And so I think that for me, it was just more realizing how beauty in the beauty industry in LA is so reflective of the diversity of LA too, and of different communities within LA. And so to me, it's like, that of course it exists within New York, but I think in a different way, it's been so interesting to explore that via like my car versus like on the subway and walking, if that makes sense. It's just all a different experience. Yeah, it certainly is an experience and that the pursuit of finding those professionals is real. It's so real. I want to pivot a little bit to get to today's topic. So I think I have become very aware of how much people spend thinking about their looks. And I think some of it is from social media. So I've become aware of new procedures like Botox on your top lip for like a lip flip is something that a lot of people do or people are doing what they call chin BBL where they're like getting, I don't know, a perceived double chin slimmed down. I watch these facelifts. They're like deep plane facelifts. Have you seen these, Darian? Yes. It's amazing. But a lot of times people look wonderful, mm-hmm. but I feel like I've become more and more aware of 
just how much time people and money and resources and everything people are spending on looking as good as they possibly can. And we know from the data that during COVID, we saw like a big boom in cosmetic surgery, fillers, Botox, all of that stuff, because people were looking at themselves a lot on Zoom. You could have downtime. A lot of people did that. Buckle fat removal is the newest thing that everyone's talking about. I just want to say I'm keeping mine. I think it's kind of cute. I think my buccal fat is kind of cute. It's of course. It's very cute. <laughs> and it's also just what makes you look youthful, you know? I think that's what it is. It makes me look a little youthful. And it's so interesting because it's like, I have that, what people sometimes get rid of with Cabela, like that. I don't really think of it as a double chin. I just think it's like... Just like a soft, fleshy skin under your chin. Yeah. It's like a very normal thing. Totally. And so it's like, have I considered getting it done? I'd be lying if I told you I haven't. But I think at the end of the day, I think about upkeep a lot and I think a lot about long-term and I'm not for sure how I would enjoy it. So yeah, you're right. There's so much conversation about this. And I want your thoughts on on this. Is this something you have become more aware of? Do you think that more and more people are obsessing over their looks? Do you think there are just more options? When you sent me this question... This is something I actually contemplate too, is are we starting to notice it and think about it and hear about it more because we're getting to a place and or to an age as women where we're starting to talk about it more? Ah, like because we're getting older. Yeah, because like we're getting older ourselves where it's a conversation in tandem with remembering that cosmetic surgery is like this ever evolving innovative industry that is always coming up with new ways to make you look your best, however you define that. And then it's like you start to see procedures or medicine of things that you were already able to do outside of the U.S. now become approved by the FDA within the U.S. And I think that that also starts another round of conversation of trends of what's of what's accessible And I feel like we're meeting this moment right now where we are starting to evaluate and talk about these new procedures in tandem with like, we're the demo for it. If at least for around like conversation around it, you know what I mean? And deciding if it's something that we want to do now or even down the line. Oh, for sure. And some of it is having more income, right? As you get older, you're able to afford procedures like this, but also as the science and the technology and the training gets better. It becomes more accessible, becomes less expensive, right? I'm sure in like the 90s, a handful of people were getting Botox. It wasn't just something you could get it. Like in LA, it's like walk in, like Botox on deck. Like it's just like in a strip mall. You're just like, what? Yeah. It's just so accessible now to the point where it's like getting your hair highlighted, but it's because it's become more and more practiced. So let's talk about this Reddit group. Officially, the Reddit group is called How to Be Hot. So that 25,000 people are in this Reddit subgroup for people that aren't Reddit users. A subgroup is basically like a community that you can join and there are message boards and people share tips and talk about different issues. So looks maxing is something that I learned about from the How to Be Hot Reddit group. I did a deep dive into it. I want to say that even as a beauty reporter, I want people to know that there are new things that I learn about every day. I want people to know that because this is, I feel like either like the third or fourth, maybe like the fourth time that I've been on Naked Beauty. And I feel like my career, my outlook has even like evolved as we've continued to have these conversations. For me, it's like, I am now at a place where I really view myself, even as a reporter, as like the explorer and the student, because there's so much that happens and changes. And there's so much new information that I have to admit you, I did not know about look maxing. So I'm going to read the description of the group. It was created 2021. So it's been around for like about a year now. So how to be hot, aka we're doing hot girl shit. This page is about looks theory, glow ups, objective beauty tips. If you want to talk about objective beauty, please do. If you want to talk about subjective beauty, fine. Be nice, be mean, but you have to contribute constructive advice on how to be hot. And there are different types of looks maxing. So there's soft maxing, which is like things that are inexpensive, like makeup, fashion, what to wear, hairstyles. There's hard maxing, which are things like fillers, plastic surgery, 
microblading is in the hard maxing category. Then there is laser hair removal, all of that stuff. There's health maxing, which is basically how to improve your overall health. Skincare is here, diet, exercise, social maxing, how to reduce social anxiety, how to have more confident body language, all of that stuff. And then there's personality maxing, which I agree is, well, you know what? Let me not judge. Personality maxing, some of the bullets they have are like, learning how to value yourself, getting a bad bitch mentality, how to seem more valuable, tone of voice, money maxing. Okay. So you get the idea. There are all of these different like ways that you can like maximize yourself. But the whole idea of this group is like how to be as hot as possible. Brooke, I mean, the thing I try to do is to truly put myself in the shoes, in the circumstances and situation of like how you find yourself in the pursuit of that. There's actually like a huge part of me that has empathy for it and not in a way where I'm like, oh, I understand or like, you know, I I see you over here trying to do this thing. But in a way where a lot of us, I think that through childhood or the ways that people expressed how they thought about us or our appearance, even from a younger age, to me, I feel like depending on your upbringing has put you in a place where you have become obsessed with your looks. Because of what society has told you, what other people have told you, how comfortably you felt in your own body and skin. Question for you there. What is considered obsessed? Being obsessed with your looks. Some people could look at my skincare routine and say, she is obsessed. This is sick. Why does she have this many products? Why is she spending this much time doing her skin when she could be, you know, what has happened to her as a young person that has made her care so much about having a great skincare routine, right? And I would arguably say like, you know what? I love it. It makes me happy. And I think some of these people do too. How do you land on something being obsessive? I think that you land on something being obsessive when you start to create routines and cycles around an obsession in a way where it takes you further away from who you actually are and can be on a personality basis in a way where it actually gets you further from your own confidence and personal power in a way that doesn't actually support you or who you are. This is like for me when beauty starts to go into all these different segments for me as a reporter where it was like, I realized that there were so many different ways that I could cover beauty like as more watchdog bot, as in more investigative, more reporting on culture, trends, product review, things of that nature. And I kind of just started to land on like the experience of beauty in and of itself and what that actually means for me. So it's like what some people may be calling obsessive for you as broke, right? To you might be around experience. I think that there is something real about the experience of beauty connecting it to not only like how you grew up and your perception of yourself, but also like the work you've done on yourself and evolving as a person that can be really connected to beauty and how you relate that to like the kinds of experiences that you want to have, how you want to smell, how you want to look, and also like self-expression. To me, I think the question almost becomes like, what is an alternative to look maxing in a way that actually also involves exploration of your own uniqueness curiosities in like the things that you're into and how you can reflect that through your routines and how you present and you look to other people. Arguably though, some people are saying to do that, right? Like some people are giving tips on how to reflect your own personality through that self-expression. On a superficial note, as you were perusing and scrolling through, did you find any tips? Because I did. Yeah, I definitely found some tips. <laughs> Do you want to share? Any that I could like truly think about. I think there were some around lips, around lining of lips actually that I found really interesting. That was less around like how to make your lips look like Kylie Jenner and more around like how do you start to accentuate the actual uniqueness and quirks of your own lips. And I actually have lip blushing. I think we talked about lip tattooing or you had mentioned it and I have lip blushing, which I'm so down. I want to get a retouch. Yes. Yes. Tell us about lip blushing and your experience with it. I'm so happy that I did it. I have always loved a flush pinky lip. I am a lip gloss girl. I'm a lip tint girl versus being a lipstick girl. And I felt that it was just something that I was ready to do. There's a studio in LA, Studio uh, Sashido. Okay. And what is the process of lip blushing? I got my treatment done by 
amazing artist. Her name is Ari. And just to like, also, I think this is good background around it too, is, you know, we're talking about different and new procedures and things of that nature. And there are so many treatments right now that are not only around, you know, accentuating a feature, but also reconstructing or making something look different because of maybe a treatment or condition that you have had, whether it's breast cancer and you are looking to have your nipples darkened or maybe reframed in a way that like makes you feel good. And so I actually find that people who work in the space of like doing lip blushing work in this also like reconstructive, but like permanent makeup world as well. I mean, same with microblading. So many people that are getting microblading have gone through chemo. They've lost their hair. So yeah. Right. And so that was why I really liked Ari because I felt like she really did that kind of work, but as an artist and like, but like also at a place where like you could get a tooth gem and You could get little tattoos or freckles. And I feel like this is like something in LA that has become like, just like a big deal. Some of the first things that you do are, number one, you talk about what kind of color like you actually want your lips to be. And I think this is also really important as black and brown women, you know, our upper lip might be darker than our bottom lip, you know? And then also in addition to that, we might have a brownish or like our nude lip is different. So that means that the color of the blush and the color has to really be a match for the undertone of our lips. And so we talked about that. She mixed the colors. You do a lot of tracing around the lips from different angles. It was like an hour and a half process at minimum before she even laid me down and numbed me for the procedure. Is it a lip tattoo? Yeah, it's essentially a semi-permanent lip tattoo. Yeah. And it's a tiny needle and you're numbed and she literally draws with the tattoo needle and the color onto your lips. And I would describe the pain as uncomfortable, but not unbearable. Wow. I mean, your lips do look great. It looks like you just have like a soft wash of color, like the Glossier. um, I can't think of the name of that lipstick that they had, but it looks like you just have like a blotted on lip color. It looks very natural. Your lips look great. It's not something I would like notice. Yeah, it's very subtle. And it's just great for someone like me because it actually kind of accentuates the redness in my lips. What surprised you reading through the group? There was a comment around like, be mean, be not, you know, be constructive. And I actually felt like there were a lot of people who we're just really invested in the looks of others in a way that wasn't rude or snarky, but quite serious. Mm, No, it's a serious group. Like people are invested. For me, I'm more interested around the racial demos of the group, if I'm being honest. I would honestly just be curious to know. Well, you know, it's so interesting. I hang out in the natural hair Reddit as well, which is obviously majority, majority Black, every now and again, some white person with curly hair will pop in and be like, hey guys, I have curly hair. Like, can I use your products? I see those discussions as well. And the whole natural hair community, this is something we've already talked about on the podcast, but there is still this element of obsession, like porosity tests and pH balance and start testing your products with pH strips. And I think it's gotten more and more sane as people have like stopped using a million products and deep conditioning for three days straight. And it's gotten more simplified, but I think across racial demographics, and I think especially in POC communities, there is a lot of focus and attention and conversation spent on how to look your best. Maybe we all have our own different version of look maxing. Yes, exactly. We all have our own version of it. That brings me actually to this next point about patriarchy because women and femmes overwhelmingly spend time thinking about these things. And a lot of men in power just do not. I think about, you know, Mark Zuckerberg wearing like the same shirt every day. You know, it's just like you just erase that concern from your brain space. So you think about white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism, because this is all connected. And that's something that I'm always interrogating. What is my role in all of this as someone who talks about beauty and is also a consumer of beauty and spends money on these things? And essentially, it's all an industry, right? It's in the industry's best interest for you to feel like you have to spend money to be beautiful. Like, how dare you feel beautiful without spending money? So when you think about all of these factors at play, how do you think about your own relationship with beauty under these kind of like dark shadowy forces that are very real? I want to preface this by saying this might sound corny to some people. It may not to other people, but this is honestly my truth and my mindset and what I've kind of developed it to be is that I've really allowed all of the conversation around beauty and connection to capitalism, 
white people, the white gaze, who exactly I am addressing through beauty, I have really began to take this approach of like, I am actually using beauty to just like actually learn more about myself and also about community and what that really means. I think that not only do I understand, I feel and experience the weight, the routines that I have, the products that I have on my counter and what I am buying into, the things that I am sent, the emails that I am bombarded with, the trends that I am told are just now a trend for things that I've been following forever or learned about two years ago. I think what my own commitment within beauty to like our voices and also just like my general goal to figure out how like I can put my voice and your voice and all of our voices at the center of the conversation versus brands always being the center of the conversation, I feel like has just put me in a better headspace to feel like I'm not always pushed and pulled by beauty in relation to capitalism in ways where I can't see myself through the clouds and the haze. And honestly, you know, it's like I cut my hair in June and cutting my hair has been one of the best decisions I ever made because it got me to really tap into something that I felt like I just hadn't really even fully explored yet myself as a beauty reporter, which is why I view myself as like an explorer and a student. And it is the way that people truly use their hair as a medium yeah. to like literally express how they feel. And it's such a basic, common, almost rudimentary concept based on who you are and how early or young you are when you started to do that yourself. But for me, as someone who is like such in a new phase of like expanding and looking at who I am and growing in so much of that work being like not attached to beauty, but at the same time, I understand how beauty can be a vehicle for expressing my inner status as Darian and how aesthetic can be a really powerful tool for sending a message. That has allowed me to feel like I have more of a say in an agency in this big world of beauty and capitalism and consumerism. That's where I'm at with it. I feel like it feels so vague, but another thing I will bring up is like just the different level and weight of the circumstances that we all are into. Like for me, someone telling you, Brooke, that like your skincare routine is obsessive. To me, I don't even understand why someone even feels the need to say that because it's like, look at where you are in your work what you do, what people are asking of you, and also your own general curiosity with beauty, right? Where it's like, that might be obsessive for someone else, but not for you based off of what you do. Totally. I think the challenge is how do we extend that same thinking and grace to people that get countless cosmetic procedures? Because I have found myself to be judgmental, where judgmental, not in the sense of like, why would you put a foreign substance in your body, but more judgmental to the fact of like, you didn't need all of this. Like you're beautiful. You didn't need to do all of this to your face, but who am I to decide what someone else needs, you know, and how someone wants to express themselves. I want to just go back to the point about men, or I should say people that choose to present as men basically opting out of this in terms of like mental real estate and financial investment, right? Getting your nails done all the time, even a shaved head, I want to say, and it looks gorgeous on you. It's upkeep. It's not like, oh, I've opted out of the beauty. You know, it's all a chore to separate yourself from that, to say like, I actually am not going to spend time getting my nails done, putting on makeup. You know, I'm going to keep my body and skin clean and that's it. And just wear clothes that fit. And I'm not going to try to update my silhouette and try the new spring style. Like I'm just going to opt out of it entirely. If more women opted out, how do you think that would change our society? How would that change things? If you opted out, how would that make you feel? Do you feel any resentment towards people or men that like the fact that they don't even have to participate in it? I view opting out as a choice in one that, I mean, I think you would agree on the same thing as it's a choice and anyone who decides to opt out can go and do that. I try not to let it affect me, honestly. If I opted out, I would literally not have, in terms of social status, in terms of things, in terms of how people perceive me, it would totally be completely different. 
I would be having a totally different experience with life because people would be viewing me from a different way based off of what I did not upkeep and what that made me look like as a Black woman to other people. I would be having a completely different experience around how people treated me, how people hired me, fired me, all of it. How would you feel? I don't know. That's such a good plot for a movie. Like going from someone where it was like all of this to not almost like a Freaky Friday. Let's even just like play that scenario. I think I would be angry. I think I would be upset. I think that it would unravel a lot of layers for me around how the world actually thinks and feels about Black women. I think that that's what I would figure out because I always tell people that I think that one of the main reasons why I have been able to just do some of the things I've been able to do and be in some of the rooms I've been able to be in is because I often feel that like the idea of who Black women are is often projected onto me, but I feel like I've created a space where I'm so proud to be a Black woman but I'm also an individual as Darian and your ideas and concepts of who I am are only going to affect me up until a certain point. If I didn't have that, I think that I would be a completely different person who would be really caving and more in response to how people are treating me. I'm trying to not be in response to how people are looking at me all, all the time. I'm trying to like respond. I'm trying to show the world. Beauty as self-expression and self-branding. The way that you choose to present yourself and express yourself is like the Darian brand that is something that you hold precious and it's a reflection of you and it shows your tastes and your personality and your point of view. It's how you introduce yourself before you ever even talk, right? So if that's all taken away, it's interesting when I thought about this question for myself, I actually didn't think immediately about how other people would treat me. I thought about what I would do with all of the additional time and like what I would spend I'm on. Oh, you know, I'm probably not going to do a lot of like forward facing videos if I'm like just completely not, you know, I'm probably not going to be going to parties and events. And I'm probably just like going to have a very different life. It would change actually a lot because so much of the beauty things that you opt into, the clothes, the hair, I have to get my hair. It's like because you have some sort of social event, you have some sort of thing. And of course, you can still have a social life if you don't participate in beauty at all. But it's probably going to be a different social life. I feel like what you're scratching at is so real and actually something that I have been trying to figure out how to not feel like I have to do as much of while still being able to do the work that I do actually want to do within beauty. And I think it is possible to not feel always like that weight and obligation or when you do, I feel like I found a lot of tools and tips and tricks to make things really fit for like my lifestyle and brain and routines and and regimen when it comes to beauty in terms of like routine, but then thinking about, yes, the events, the almost like the things that come with being in beauty in relation to like the expectations that are put on you by brands or by people whose jobs are literally dependent on if you show up or not, all of that. I think that I have really tried to like create some space where it's like, when I do show up, it's with intention. And I am speaking through my presence and through how I've decided to show up and with a purpose versus, you know, we were talking about going to a yoga event in the middle of the day when it's just simply not necessary right now. So it's so interesting because I am starting to get into a world where it's like, this is an event I want to show up to and like, yeah, oh shit, like my makeup needs to look really, really good. I think it's one thing if you enjoy and you you love the process, get your makeup done. I mean, I do love it. I I do. I do love a glam. Yeah. It's like, if you love it, do it. Not out of the obligation, but out of the love. Doing it for the love of it. And I think like something that actually I have started, it's so interesting, like the makeup thing, because, you know, I've started to have more things I actually want to show up to. And it's like, I want my makeup to look really good. I'm already running around. I didn't book a makeup artist or maybe I just didn't want to pay anyone. I've committed to the fun and the pursuit of really learning how to do my own makeup. And it feels so rewarding when you're at an event and someone's like, your makeup looks incredible. And you're like, I did it. I did my makeup myself. So when I'm talking about like, for me, like look maxing or what we decide to opt into or opt out of, for me, it's like the choice to do that and to show up in a room full of people who all got their makeup done not because they loved it, like just because they had the money to and and could do it, where it was like, for me, I find so much like bossness, I guess, in being able just to like, look like I still deserve to be in the room with my makeup, with my, with my face. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with it. Same with like styling, same with fashion. 
You know something? I would actually love to get your thoughts on this. You know how there are so many different cores. There's Barbie core, Goblin core, all these different cores. Gorp core, Aaliyah core. There is Aaliyah core. I love her. You brought it up. Aaliyah core. When she started to shape her Aaliyah core, that lit something in me where I said, I want to make my own Darian core. Right. What's your own personal aesthetic? What is Darian core? I almost put myself through the exercise on Pinterest where I was like, I'm not looking for inspiration. I had like a notes app of all these different colors and like fashion pieces. And like, I put like blush. Okay. I'm looking for this kind of blush that I already wear a user or aspire to. I'm looking for that on Pinterest versus like, I'm looking for the inspiration for Darien Core. It's like, I've already been doing Darien Core. How can I just elevate it through these pieces that I'm pulling together? And it was so interesting because Aaliyah Core sparked that in me. And I found that like, when you look at her page, it sparked other people to like, want to embody Aaliyah Core. And for me, I was like, oh, wait, I just want to do my own Darien core because to me, that's not just the beauty part of it. It's also how like for me, so much of my rituals and my routines and things that I do are in relation to like wellness, spirituality and like how I want to show up when I go places. I have changed so much where it's like as I have grown and I've been in L.A. and I actually feel like I found bomb people who have amazing modalities around spirituality in a way that like really speaks to me in a very like positive way. I feel like it's affected my work. It's affected my outlook on beauty. And so now I'm at this place where I'm like establishing this Darien core for this new elevation of Darien. It's like all the inspiration is already there. I just have to pull it together. Absolutely. And to me, that's like beauty. Yes. And it's also, it's powerful to think about how you want to, again, brand yourself and self-present and like, what do I want to communicate with the way that I look? I think it's an empowering exercise. So in a world where physical beauty, being snatched, looking young, being hot, desirable, whatever, does translate into economic power, is there something empowering about the idea of spending time thinking about how to maximize your appearance if you are using it as a tool? Is there something powerful about it? Maybe. Maybe for someone it is. For me, I don't think it is, but maybe for someone else. And I think that like, again, it goes back to this point around me around how like, it's such an individual experience based off of how you view yourself right now in this moment and what you feel like you need or don't. I mean, it's interesting. I've, you know, I've read a lot of accounts of women that have done BBLs. There was a great, it was, I think, a New York Times magazine, maybe this summer. It was like a multi-part interview series, written series, um, where they interviewed people in recovery houses. And one of the common things that a lot of these women that decided, and there were, I think it was one Black woman and one Latinx woman, basically they said, I wanted to get a BBL because it meant that I would get like more tips. I would basically, one of them was like a fitness model. I think I'll book more jobs. It was this idea that like, I'm doing this as like an investment in my earning potential and I'll be able to earn even more money and provide more for my family or for myself if I make this investment in my body. And I was like, that's interesting because it's the same way that people say like, oh, I'm going to go back to school and get this like graduate degree as like an invest because I know that my earning potential will be increased if I have like a master's degree. Wow, the correlation you just made. <laughs> I know, sorry. People are probably cringing like, oh my God, that's a jump. But is it that much no, of a jump? I don't know. I think that you bring up such a good point around cause and effect, right? If I do this, I'll have this in the extremes at which women are not just told, but are shown, you should not only desire it, but you should be wanting it. It is your job and your, it is your responsibility to do what you can to amplify your appearance so that you can survive in this world. Not only do I like wish that people didn't feel that way, I wish that we didn't live in a place where people almost, some people are driven to feeling that way or almost have to feel that way and to act on that feeling in order to make money. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing that makes me the saddest. It makes me so sad, especially as a parent. And when I say it makes me sad, what makes me sad is when I think about the fact that like 
boys do not feel this like, oh, I need to like be as good looking as possible to like achieve what I want to achieve in this world. It's just like not a pressure that boys grow up with. And I can even remember being young. Any times a, a stranger gave me a compliment and said, oh, your daughter, she's so beautiful. Or you're so beautiful. My mom would always say like, and she's very smart and smart, like always, always, always. The two always came together. And that's not to judge people that do rely on physical appearance to get ahead or make more money. But you're right. We should not live in a society where that's necessary. I think another important part that I feel like learned as I've been out in LA, as I've seen different kinds of women with different bodies and different looks is like, I have this thing now where I feel like I just meet so many women who are not like me, who I am not like. And I still just feel this deep desire for every woman who I meet where it's like, I just really want you to do what is actually the best for you. And I don't even mean that around like, is the BBL the best for you or is it not best for you? I want you to be able to really make that decision for yourself in a way that really comes from you having the inner dialogue to make that decision. For me, there's just something I have around wanting to uphold like a general respect that I have, even for women who are not or who are making choices that maybe I wouldn't. It's so interesting. I've been thinking about it so much, especially just in relation to Black women who I just feel like we are consistently put under circumstances where we have to evaluate our lives, our money, our economics, our responsibility to other people in a way where there are very few people even looking out for us. There may be not many people in your life looking out for you. And however that ties back to decisions that you decide to make around your body, I just want women to feel good about whatever that is. I need for that to shine through in your personality when you're talking to me. So true. And it's almost like completely independent of what they choose to do. Like that self-confidence and conviction in how you choose to self-present can come in so many different manifestations. Yeah, it really, really can. We've unpacked a lot here. The rise in people that are now being vocal about their regrets. Have you seen this in terms of people saying, I dissolved all of the filler in my face or people saying, I wish that I had never done breast implants. Or I feel like I've seen a lot more videos on social specifically around people undoing fillers. I know this is such a simple thing, but people change. I'm glad you can reverse your procedure that you had. It's really just that Normally, when people are talking about reversals, they'll also say their age. And I think that that is also telling as well. I think that it is a good marker to recognize when people decide to get certain procedures because you grow up, your brain evolves. Literally, you become smarter over time. And aesthetics change also, right? Aesthetics change. And aesthetics change. So I just honestly hope that you continue to do things that you can reverse if you would like to, because you're changing, babe. I know. I mean, I think about that with microblading even. And so I truly am someone that did not have eyebrows. I mean, I had like very, 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 very faint eyebrows, but like basically no eyebrows. And now that's a trend. But because I've done microblading, I can't participate in the trend. You know, it's semi-permanent. It's there. So even sometimes I think like, oh, wow, I made this like kind of pretty permanent decision on microblading that like can't be reversed now. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about it? I'm good. Personally, I'm good. But it occurred to me that someone may have jumped on the like microblading bandwagon because they heard lots of other people talking about and how great it was. And then maybe they do want to participate in like try having no brows and they can't now. But it just kind of made me realize like, oh, I have done like a pretty like not permanent, but semi-permanent procedure. Laser hair removal, another one. I had someone on this podcast say that one of her biggest regrets was doing like a full Brazilian. Is Brazilian when like there's nothing there? Yeah. Oh, I wonder if I'm going to regret mine, but I have a feeling I won't. I have a full Brazilian bikini, whatever they call it, like laser. And I personally don't regret it, but I might. And like, also the hair does continue to, for me, continues to grow very, very slowly, and very faintly. So I'm not nervous. But what I was going to say though, is that People who feel the need to get certain procedures based off of, even if you don't realize what you're doing, off of what's popular, what's on trend, what is the look at the moment, you have to understand that the beauty industry is making money off of that mindset. That's not even to like be condescending. That is just like a truth and make sure that you know that. Make sure that you have that knowledge, right? When you decide to get certain procedures, 
is it because you like it and, and it's something that you want to consider for yourself or is it because it's popular? And so know the difference so that like when you think about how much you hate or don't hate the beauty industry, understand who they're making money off of and why. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think celebrities are going to be more transparent about procedures? I feel like we've seen a lot of creators and influencers be super transparent, but celebrities less so. Do you think that they should be? Do you think that they have to disclose? I think that it's really hard for a lot of celebrities to be transparent around the procedures that they are going back on because they were never transparent around when they did get a procedure done. So I think it just brings up a huge can of worms for them. I hope that we are honestly not looking for celebrities and quite frankly, even influencers or anyone in the, in a space of like, of high visibility. I don't think we should be looking for them to be honest about much. I hope you're being honest with yourself and your friends are being honest with you and the people around you are being honest with you. The honesty of a celebrity or an influencer means so little to me. It's also kind of like, do they owe strangers that, right? That's almost the thing too for me where it's like, they don't owe it to me and I'm not expecting it. So it's okay. It's that versus it's like, I don't, it's not the, I don't care mindset. It's more of just like, I'm very clear in my head around the fact that celebrities don't really owe me anything. And I actually don't really owe them anything either in a way where what they decide to share or don't share is up to them and their team. Absolutely. I think the only time it gets dangerous is when they outright lie and make it seem like it's something that just happened naturally as they've lost weight, as they've gotten older, because then you have young and impressionable people feeling like, oh, once I get through puberty, these things are going to happen to me too. And it's like, this is a lie. Yeah. The lie is actually the eye roll, almost like the act of obliviousness or, you know, that to me is like the eye roll. I'm with you on the not looking to celebrities. So just for fun, just because it's fun to think about, okay, what are things you can do to maximize your looks? It could also be like social maxing. We can do mental maxing, but what are some of your tips? Give me your three top tips for maximizing your appearance or life. Oh, okay. Maximizing your appearance or your life. I wrote my three down. Should I tell you my three? Yeah, tell me your three. My number one, good posture makes a huge difference. And I think if people like want to look better, you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to, but just investing in like, right now I have to lean forward for the mic, but just investing in spending time. And I'm saying a time investment, not a money investment, figuring out, watch YouTube videos, do whatever you need to do and actively practice putting your shoulders back. Even as you're listening to this now, like the thing that I always imagine, this is from like a ballet teacher, like imagine a string pulling the top of your head, like to the ceiling, like pull yourself up, put your shoulders back. And as you walk into rooms, as you sit down, as you find yourself, anytime you're on camera, I mean, just good posture is like a huge one that I feel like people just like overlook. Don't you feel like it makes a huge difference? Yeah, they totally, even right now I'm like, oh, am I sitting up? You are, you have great posture. Okay, my next one is full body exfoliation daily. This is just one of those things that like you can get a glove we have these like kese mitts from Turkey. I have a sapo thing that's from like West Africa. A lot of people use it. It's like a net. It's like a washing net. You can have a body scrub in the shower, but truly every single day I exfoliate like my whole body. I actually do as well. Not every single day, but even just the glove that I have, I'm always doing some. That's exfoliation. And then my third one is tailoring and like repairing damaged items or like fixing shoes or like getting that button sewn, or if like they're just damaged and you're not going to wear them, like give them away. Just making sure that you are always put together in terms of like your clothes fitting well, not ill-fitting and not damaged in any way, which is like, it seems like a small thing, but it's actually like huge in my opinion. And again, something that people really overlook, just like have a few things and take care of them well. And like, that will help you look so much more put together than like, buying a bunch of new makeup or any of that other stuff. 100% agree. I think tailoring is really slept on by us and that if more of us got our clothes tailored, we actually would be happier with our appearance. Yes, and shop less. You know, I feel like oftentimes you shop out of like a dissatisfaction with like what you have. Like right now I'm I'm in this weird space where like I'm kind of like in between sizes, nothing like fits me well. So I'm like feeling this hunger to shop, but I'm like, let me look at what I have and think about where I can tailor and adjust as needed. Okay. 
one of the first ones that comes to mind for me is elevating your space and home with just scent and smell to really elevate like mood in some way. And even though it does require like maybe buying of essential oils or a candle or whatever it may mean for you, I think that really figuring out whatever the modality is for it. Is it sprays on your bed? Is it steamers in the shower? Is it essential oils? I think that scent is an amazing way just to elevate the experience around you. Okay, my second one, really investing in the health of your feet. And I'm going to tell you how I started to learn more about this. I have a friend, her name is Jade. She's also a Studio Simone girl. She's like just someone who I feel like really fits the modality of like expressing beauty in your own way. And she also works with a lot of people around their feet. Is she a podiatrist? She's not a podiatrist. Okay. She's more in the world of fitness. And so through her, I learned a lot about what sneakers really do to our feet, what socks do to our feet, the power of like, like the barefoot sneakers will really change your feet, but also um, like even the individual toe socks, which I'm super into actually. Whoa. Okay. Do those make a difference? Listen, buy a pair of the individual toe socks and the freedom that you will just feel in your everyday sneakers and boots, life-changing, game changer. I'm telling you, you can really wiggle your feet versus they're just in a mitt. Think about it. Our feet are just in mittens, basically. Versus gloves. Yes. Yeah. Let your feet go free. And I think this is really important because of what your feet do for you. You know, what they represent, standing on your feet, being able to feel the ground, like your feet will start to change and not look like little raisins, <laughs> which I feel like our feet do. Interesting. Okay. And what's my third one? Microdosing. As an observer of someone who interviews lots of people on Naked Beauty, just like I love how like 2022 now into 2023, like the girls are talking about microdosing. The beauty girls are changing their whole life with microdosing. Tell me about your experience. 100%. And I think it's here to stay. I don't think it's a trend. I'm so happy for us and I'm so glad. And I think that, thank God. Thank God. So are you microdosing mushrooms? I'm microdosing mushrooms. I have gone on like one trip with a higher dosage before that was like an incredible experience i've done like chocolates i've also been trying an incredible product that i will shout out it is called silhouette make sure that you look into it i'll make sure that you have the link and everything for it but for me i think that they have created an incredible way for people who have never tried just the benefit of of nootropics, of, you know, different compounds that are within mushrooms. I think that this is a very dosage-based way for people to try it out, which is how I got more into experimenting with it within my body. Can I ask a really naive question? <laughs> Two naive questions. One, is it legal? Is that a really dumb question? No, it's actually not. And this is actually the mind-blowing thing that you really figure out about shrooms, about psychedelics, is that this is an entire industry that has not been regulated even to a fraction of the degree as cannabis. And it is because this has been a space that has been spearheaded by white men, white doctors, white scientists. And so it's not viewed as dirty. It's not viewed as a drug. It's not viewed as something illegal in the same way that cannabis is. And so we can talk about it. And in certain states, you can go and pick up one being New Jersey. Can I do it in California? I actually don't know. Okay. But I also just think that it's not even about the legalization of psychedelics because it's not being monitored in this highly criminal way that cannabis is. And I think that why I mentioned microdosing was because I just feel like I'm in a space where alcohol is really messing with my digestion. Cannabis is something that I really like to reserve for social settings. And I think that in this world where we're always like looking for a high or looking for a new experience, psychedelics in this moment that we're in is really being reframed for me in this way of sometimes what I was trying to, or I, that I thought that alcohol or cannabis was doing for me in terms of alleviating my mood or making me feel less stressed or helping me to be more productive. Like to me, microdosing is just a far safer way to do that in a way where I'm not having to consume other things that aren't very great for me 
consistently, such as alcohol. And for me personally, I know that smoking weed all of the time isn't something that I just always should be doing as a coping mechanism, which is what I was doing, if I'm being honest. And so now I'm in this space where I know that I have ADHD and I'm consistently looking for ways to, for holistic ways to narrow in on my focus, to be able to focus and to be productive. And microdosing has been helpful in that. Okay. So microdosing has been helpful. Plant medicine, I guess. Are you open to prescription drugs for ADHD? I went through that journey and I had a bad experience. I felt like the medicine that they were trying out on me, they actually started me, which is typical on Wellbutrin, which was an antidepressant. Because a lot of the times the thinking is like, well, if you're feeling anxious or if you can't focus, sometimes it is actually, it's rooted in the depression versus ADHD. And well, Butrin, I didn't feel it. It made me happier sometimes, but it did not make me feel focused. Yeah. You're like, this is not what I asked for. Yeah. And also someone where it's like, I'm 32 years old and, and like, I know what I have at this point because I, I just know. Let's just put it that way. Then they started me on Ritalin, which is to treat ADHD. And I had a very severe emotional reaction to Ritalin in a way that really just made me realize I'm going to go through just figuring out holistic ways to approach this along with exercise, along with what I'm eating, along with really what I'm putting in my body. Yeah. Mindfulness, meditation. Yeah. It's been a game changer. It's helped the overall health of my body. I view microdosing definitely less as a crutch and more of just a holistic part of what I do. Also based on my cycle and where my hormones are, which is another thing you have to consider and my digestion. So I'm realizing that all of these things are so connected and I'm just going on the journey of figuring it out, which to me is very much a beauty conversation. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, to bring it all back to this overall topic of how to be hot, how to maximize your looks, so much of that work is internal work. It is. Whether that's like mental well-being or physical well-being, it's like you're not going to be hot if you're not drinking water. (laughs) That's just like a basic. Yeah, and quite frankly, you're not going to be hot if you have a shitty personality. Also true. I'm sorry. You might on Instagram, but not in real life on that red carpet, babe. And I honestly think that sometimes a lot of what we are seeing in people is just like an inner glow. In addition to the makeup and how people look, but like, I really think that the most beautiful people, people will be like, oh, you're so pretty. And it's like, you don't even know it, but it's the inner for real. That is so true. That is so true. And that's like, I mean, you've seen Rihanna. Rihanna physically is beautiful, obviously. But like, have you seen her? IRL. Mm -hmm. Like the glow is insane. Yes. (laughs) It's like you just feel it. It's like a ring of light. You feel it. Yeah. And and you have that glow as well. It's a beautiful thing. You You have that glow. Thank you very much. You know what I think also gives you that glow? Being curious about the world around you and people around you and issues around you. Like that curiosity for me, for some reason, it really translates into inner beauty. It does for me too. And Sometimes I feel like I'm thinking about and almost like mentioning these concepts that feel so basic, but I actually feel like they get so overlooked in these conversations that we have around product and routine where it's like the sauce and the real, if you know, you know, and the real it girls know, a lot of the work is taking place offline and we're just bringing it to you. We're just bringing it to you on the internet. That's so real. It's the microdosing, and it's, it's the things that you can't really like add to your cart in Sephora. 100%. All the stuff I'm adding to my cart in Sephora is just a reflection of how I'm feeling. And it's extra. It's extra. It's just amplification. It's almost like being in Sephora. I almost have to feel like an authority myself in the store because there's so much around you that you actually have to be in a mindset of like, what am I here for? Why? How do I feel? Do I even like that packaging over there? Like, do I feel like testing something right now? Like, do I need a basket? What do you need in this Sephora for real right now? Yeah. Take charge. Or else it's giving a Target experience. Why do you have $500 worth of stuff? So true. So true. (laughs) Darian, always a pleasure. I do want to end by asking, when are you feeling most beautiful lately? I am feeling most beautiful lately when I am getting ready to leave for some place that I really want to go. Maybe I'm running an errand for myself or I'm just going to go have lunch for myself. I feel most beautiful almost in the process of getting ready to go on a date with myself, to have a day with myself. 
having my music playing, having my playlist on, having like my Studio Simone playlist, my steam shower with my scented peppermint coming out like my hair is wet and I don't have to do much to it. I just have to like dry it a little bit. It'll self-dry, you know, putting on my skincare, putting on my Shiseido sunscreen that I love, just the process, putting on my scent, figuring out what jewelry I'm going to wear for the day, like walking around a room where I don't feel like I have to police my own body. Like that is when I feel most beautiful, you know? You know, I haven't had a day like that in a long time as a mother, but I can remember, I can remember those days. I can remember those days (laughs) having a day with myself (laughs) way back in the day. Yes, no, but that's such a vibe. And to your point, it's feeling comfortable in the rooms that you go in and that you don't have to like, second guess. And that also comes with age, which is the beautiful thing about getting older. Here we are like 32 and 33. And we're like, as we get older, it is getting, you know, your 30s is a time of like becoming more and more comfortable with yourself, which is like the dope thing about getting older. Yeah. And I'm definitely recognizing where it's like, oh, I walk into some rooms. I'm like, oh, I am the older person in this particular room. I used to not be that. And I recognize that. Oh, no. I almost just feel like I'm having some of those moments recently. And I don't think it's around like just getting older. I'm just realizing like, oh, some of the spaces I am in and will continue to be in look and feel different because also like other people are growing up. And so it's like recognizing that and also thinking about your relationship to other groups and other generations, which I think is very powerful and very overlooked. There's too much verses. And the Gen Z girls, I don't know. I I love them. I rock with them. I think a lot of them are doing interesting things. And it's like, I want to be a part of that. I want my tapestry to be in that as well. Oh, absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing I feel like about the podcast and like just the naked beauty community. Like I have listeners that are like, I'm in my 60s and like I listen every single Monday. And then I have people that are like, yeah, I'm in high school and I listen every single week. It's like, you know, we can all have these conversations. So thank you so much for lending your thoughts on this very sprawling topic. We covered a lot of ground, but very important, I think, Very important things to discuss as we think about beauty and culture and society and what it all means. For sure. Thanks, Brooke. Of course. Anything you want to share or plug? Obviously, follow Studio Simone. Yeah, follow Studio Simone. Studio Simone is my budding media company and community, all focused on storytelling at beauty, pop culture, politics. I'm growing it bit by bit every day. Right now, it's like a beauty comedy meme page, and I'm obsessed with it. And what else? Oh, Buy Black Icons and Her Story, my book that came out in 2022. It's so good. Thank you. It's on Amazon. It's probably at your local bookstores. At Target, it's at Urban Outfitters, so you can find it. And yeah, follow me on TikTok at Studio Simone. If you're on TikTok, I'm ramping up my beauty news again, which is a whole other story of me just figuring out as I'm changing, like how I want to tackle it and what that looks like. Yeah, I'm really excited for 2023 for us, Brooke. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Like, there's so many stories to tell, and I'm excited we're in the same city. For sure. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. So that was my conversation with Darian all around this preoccupation or emphasis on physical appearance. And there's so much that we weren't even able to explore, such as featureism, colorism, ageism. You could unpack this over 
10 or 12 episodes. It's a deep topic, but I'm happy that I was able to have share these thoughts and feelings with a good friend. And I hope that as you guys listened, you felt like you were kind of just listening in to two friends unpacking these conversations. Now, I do love interviewing people. That is the core of Naked Beauty. I bring on incredible people and ask them about their life and their life experience. So I'm very excited about some of the interviews that I have lined up in the weeks ahead so I can kind of get my interviewing hat back on and shine a light on other people's stories. So definitely make sure you're subscribed to Naked Beauty if you're not subscribed. New episodes every single Monday, and I will be back next week. Thanks for listening. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention, if you love the show and you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, take the time to leave us a five-star review, a rating. I really appreciate it. It helps other people find the show and it just feels great to get that feedback from you all. So I appreciate that. All right, until next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.